as I said, welcome to Excel Church. I want to welcome you whether you are joining us on Facebook or whether you're joining us on our YouTube channel. And I do want to encourage you. I noticed um, you probably saw that there wasn't a specific link available. And so we're doing a little bit of a transition here. And we know that you can um, make that with us. And that's just to subscribe to the channels and then you'll get a direct notification from those channels when we go live. Um, so if you're on YouTube, make sure you're subscribing to the YouTube channel for Excel Church, and then YouTube will give you the notification when we go live. And if you're watching us on Facebook, make sure you have your notifications turned on for when we go live, and then Facebook will notify you when. Just working a little smarter, right? Amen? And um, allowing us to receive the information that is going to help us to excel. And so this morning, I'm excited about our new sermon series entitled Unhindered. And I think you'll see in a minute why I'm excited about this series, because it's going to be um, really delving deeply into one of the books of the Bible that happened to be one of my favorites. Who here has ever felt hindered or held back in some fashion or circumstance. Before I could even get the sentence out, some of y'all were like, that would be me. I felt hindered, I felt held back. Maybe you have felt that you have more to give or more to offer, more to contribute. And what about in your faith? Have you ever felt like there was something more? I can remember distinctly when I had that moment in my faith, and I, I may have shared it before, I used to work at this firm, and I would um, get on the elevator and I could feel the anxiety just building up as I was getting on the elevator, before I could even get into my office, just stepping on the elevator and watching the doors open and seeing the name of the firm on the doors, uh, on the walls when I walked out, it was just like, <sighs> There's got to be more. There's got to be more to life than just getting up, waking up, going to work, going to bed, waking up, going to work, just over and over. I said to myself, God, I know there's got to be more. Have you ever felt like you were missing something, like there's got to be more? Some piece that you may have been missing out on as you read through the Gospels and the Acts. The miracles, the healings, the transformation, and the boldness of the early church, it really leaves us realizing that we can have more and we should have more. And if that sounds like you, I've got news for you today. You are not alone. Over the centuries, this has been something that people of God have thought about a lot. In fact, the entire Reformation movement from the 16th century was rooted in this idea that there was something that was missing in the experience of the people of God. They knew there was something more. And so when I think of being hindered, I imagine for a moment a thoroughbred racing horse. Imagine that with me if you would. There's this thoroughbred racing horse, and they are held back 
from a gate. Once that gate opens, that horse is running free, beautiful, majestic. That horse is meant to run, but that gate hinders its movement. It hinders the freedom. The gate is the obstacle holding the horse back. What is holding you back today, church? As a church, what is holding us back? What more does God have for us to experience in our faith? And as you roll those questions around, I'm excited to share with you that we'll tackle that as we are embarking upon this new four-week series entitled Unhindered. Somebody say unhindered. unhindered. We're using the book of Acts as our guide. We're going to unpack several of the ways we are called and released to live unhindered lives of faith. But before we get started, I just would like for us to bow our heads and just pray together. Father God, I thank you for this message this morning in advance. I thank you for the ways that you're going to just rekindle in us a desire to study your word, to to be in your word and to live out your word. Help us right now to not only just be hearers, word, hearers of your word, but to be doers also. These blessings we ask in your holy and sacred name. Amen. Amen. So first of all, there's something very special about the book of Acts. Historically, the book, historically, the book serves as a vital link between the gospels and the epistles. It bridges the gap between the Jesus of history and the Christ of faith. In the Gospels, Jesus is preaching. In the epistles, Jesus is being preached. The book of Acts explains how the messenger became the center of the message. Unlike most history books, Acts is filled with references to God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, and the story simply would not have been possible without God. He started it, motivated it, gave it direction, energy, purpose, message, and protection. Luke does not give us a systematic description of God, but he describes what God did with the church. So as you go through the book of Acts, it's important to remember that everything points to Christ and his church. It's story after story of God's provision, power, and protection of his church. It's Peter and it's John preaching to the Jewish Sanhedrin. It's all the believers being of one heart and one mind, selling all of their possessions and sharing with one another. It's Philip baptizing an Ethiopian church and then being Holy Spirit Star Trekked away. It's Saul's conversion to Paul, Peter's miraculous escape from the prison, and the list can go on and on. The book of Acts is not a list of attributes to memorize or bullet points to fit into a spreadsheet. It tells us the story of the birth of Christianity. Are y'all starting to get excited about the book of Acts? 
the very beginning of the spread of the gospel. And when you're going through the book of Acts, there's one specific word that brings it all together. Actually, the last word of the book, unhindered. So let's skip to the end. Look at Acts chapter 28. We're going to look at verses 30 through 31. Acts chapter 28, verses 30 through 31. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. I'm going to read it to you in the New American Standard uh, Bible as well. It says, Paul stayed two full years in his own rented lodging and welcomed all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching things about the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. What's going on in this passage? So let's take a look at this together. Now Paul stayed two full years in his own rented lodging and welcomed all who came to him. Paul was sent by Agrippa and Festus to Rome where he waited two years to be seen by Caesar. Paul is sitting under house arrest. He rents his own space, theoretically funded by other church members, and he welcomed anyone and everyone who came to him. Now look at preaching the kingdom of God and teaching things about the Lord Jesus Christ. He was preaching and he was teaching just like Jesus did. He was obeying the great commission. Look at the peace with all openness, unhindered. Paul had openness, boldness, conviction, confidence. He did this unhindered. The very last word in the book of Acts in this version, the very last word that bridges the gospels with the epistles. I can imagine Luke as he wrote Acts, pinning this final word on the parchment paper, trying to find the right word to end this account. Paul wasn't just preaching and teaching those who came to him, he was writing letters from jail as well. Most of Paul's writings were written over a span of 15 years. In AD 60, he arrived in Rome and was imprisoned later that year. For the next two years, Paul would live under house arrest in Rome. But during this time, he continued to minister to those who visited and encouraged local churches via letters he wrote from prison. Paul's four prison epistles, as they are called, were written during that time. These four letters are Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. In these letters, we see further glimpses of Paul's unhindered message and constant encouragement to other believers. So I just want to give you this backdrop before we go into this great study of the book of Acts. In Ephesians, we read, Be very careful then how to live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord will is. That was from Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 for my note takers. 
Later in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18, we read, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Adversity is an opportunity. You are not hindered by adversity. So we need to remember that even as we are hearing these words today, adversity is an opportunity. Somebody say that with me. Adversity is an opportunity. When the enemy comes at us and he begins to do things that unravel some things in our life, instead of falling apart, we can begin to declare as we know the word and as we know what God is able to do, this is just an opportunity for my God to show himself mighty. Philippians, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Philippians 1.21. But whatever were gains to me, now I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more? I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. That's Philippians 3, 7, and 9. You know, it reminds me of a time, anybody remember a company that probably doesn't exist anymore, and if it does, then I just haven't seen them around, called Record Exchange? You remember record exchanges before some of your time. And I remember when I gave my life to Christ, I had this elaborate collection of music. Don't judge me. Tupac had all these things that I was just like, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to need this on my journey. I really want to fill myself up when I'm hearing music, when I'm listening to something. I want to hear something that's going to fill me up and just even my earth, wind, and fire my Michael Jackson, my Prince, all of that. I was standing, I was going out my way into record exchange and there were people who were literally stopping me on the outside going, wait, 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 don't do the deal with them. I'll buy the collection. I'll buy the music. I wanted to be unhindered though. I wanted to be released of anything that for me was baggage. I wanted to be released of anything that to me did not serve me and helping me to grow spiritually. This was a time where there was also this, rain, remember Rainbow Bookstore? Yeah. That was the time where there was, I could go in there and get all types of CDs and all types of preaching and listen to all my favorite preachers. And I just made a decision at that moment that that was what I needed instead. Something that was so valuable to me had become trash garbage because I had began to taste Christ and I wanted more of him. Anybody just feeling like I just want more of God, yes. less of all this other stuff and more of him. Yes. These are the words of a man at peace, content in his identity. Paul is a free man. Yes. And then Colossians, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
Colossians 1.13 and 14. And then if you look at Colossians 1.21 and 22, it says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present, present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. God has brought those who were afar off, those who were way off the path, near through Christ. There is no obstruction or hindrance to the grace of God. Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is for everywhere. And then lastly, Philemon. Paul writes a letter to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. Once a brother to be loved, not as a runaway slave to be punished. And even though he deserved punishment, Paul contends for grace and forgiveness. Now look at the variety of writing coming from Paul as he sits in house arrest. This is not a hindered man with an obstructed faith. Luke, the author of the Acts, rightly identifies this as he describes two years of Paul's life in Rome with just two verses of scripture. Acts 28, 30 and 31, which we read just a moment ago. And what better word to end the story than the word he chose? Unhindered. This very last word of Acts could very well be the first word of faith for all of us who now believe. Let us be unhindered. There are so many ways the unhindered freedom of faith experience if impacts our experience as we follow Jesus Christ. Over the next few weeks, I'll talk about the way the kingdom, uh, forgiveness, power, and the gospel are transformed. And we will see how we are set free through the sacrifice of Jesus. But to begin today, let's look at the kingdom of God. Somebody say the kingdom of God. If you're online, just type in the kingdom of God. Things changed when Jesus showed up. We know this from the many gospel accounts of his life his ministry, and miraculous workings in and amongst the Jewish community. He was different from the Messiah that many had envisioned, that many were looking for. He spoke in parables. He was gentle and lowly, the son of a simple carpenter. And in spite of all these things, his kingdom and teachings have turned the world upside down. You know, that's a little reminder for us. We don't have to be obnoxious and arrogant to be successful. Side note, as modern day believers under the new covenant of Christ, we are no longer hindered by the rules and the regulations of the law. He is our high priest. And because of him, we can experience eternal salvation and redemption. Look at John 8, 36 with me, if you would. And if you're joining us for the first time, you'll see that there's a small number in the top 
right corner of each slide, and that's where you can find the page in the Bible that you have been given when you came in, or if you lifted your hand and said you needed a Bible. It says, if the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Simply put, if the Son has set you free, then you are free indeed. Anybody in here free this morning? Set free by the Son. And what specifically are you freed from? Sin and death. Or as Paul says it, the dominion of darkness. In the kingdom of God, we are no longer hindered by darkness. We are no longer slaves to sin. Galatians 5.1 says it like, like this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. We are saved by grace through faith. Let that marinate for a moment. Free to believe that God can and will act on behalf of others. Free to come to Jesus with anything. Free to approach the throne of grace with boldness and confidence. We are free to live as beloved sons and daughters no matter the circumstances we find ourselves in. We are free to enjoy the lives that God has given us. We're free to count everything else as loss compared to the greatness of knowing Christ. With all that said, the unfortunate truth is that many of us become disillusioned in our faith. We lose our wonder of God. We lose sight of our first love. A lot of us put the chains of our former lives back on. The worshipers were singing, break every chain, but many of us have to understand that that is not a physical chain. We have been freed, but then we put the chains back on. I'm reminded right now as I'm ministering to you of a story I heard not too long ago about a dog that had been chained up to a pole at the back of a home of an abusive, abusive owner. Many of you have probably heard that story before about how this dog just took so much abuse and how this, this owner was so cruel, just leaving them out, not providing for them, not feeding them, hitting them, physically abusing them. And someone saw it and said, you know what, enough of this. I'm going to set this dog free. And they broke the chains. And the dog didn't move. And they're like, go, go, you're free. You can go now. You don't have to submit to this anymore. You don't have to be subjected to this anymore. You don't have to be treated this way anymore. But the dog, like many of us, didn't know any other reality. At least here I know I'm going to get a meal once in a while. Even though I'm not being treated the way I know I deserve to be treated, at least here I got something, somebody. 
But the challenge is to break the chains and to trust that no, there is more. It's kind of funny because yesterday my uh, daughter went to prom and if you follow me on social media, you'll see her escort was a very handsome, dashing gentleman with gray hair that I've been married to for 22 years. I don't know if you know anybody who's ever had their father escort them to a prom, but my daughter being the way that she is and being raised the way that she is, when she had men, gentlemen suitors approach her and if they didn't approach her correctly, she said, no, thank you. I would rather go alone. I would rather have my father, my daddy, the one who I know loves me, Amen. to be there with me than to have someone mistreat me. There was one young man that had invited her and it was known that he had asked another young lady and she said no. And she said, no, I'm not anybody's second choice. You ask me second? You all, are you catching what I'm trying to say about what God is saying to us today? We don't have to be slaves anymore. We don't have to be mistreated anymore. We don't have to be anybody's sloppy second choice. We can be first choice in the eyes of our heavenly father and we can be free from this bondage and walk with him. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? That's Galatians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. Obviously, no one here wants to return to an enslaved life of sin and death. But the reality is we often step into that trap without knowing that we did. I'll share with you something that, you know, people always say, oh, my goodness, you're so authentic. You share so much. It's so vulnerable. But you know what? I have no choice but to do that because I really want you to hear what God is saying to you this morning. And as I was studying the example and the illustration he brought to mind, is one that is quite embarrassing, but it's nevertheless the perfect one for this point. Now everybody's listening like, ooh, what's, what's she about to say that's embarrassing? But seriously, the, the weight loss journey, I had reached a point where I had lost over 40 pounds. 40 pounds, y'all. Now I don't know if you know how hard that is, but that's not an easy thing to do. And one of the interesting things that I recognized as I look back is there were certain practices, stay with me, certain disciplines, certain habits that I had to engage and implement to reach that goal. So when I reached that goal, I was celebrating, I've lost 40 pounds and went back to the things that I used to do not making the connection in my mind that going back to doing things the way that I used to do is gonna get me back to being the way that I used to be. I don't know why I didn't make that connection. But so many of us do that in the spiritual realm. We have some situation that is dire, 
So we're seeking God for an answer. God, if you would just get me through this situation. God, if you would just heal my child. God, if you would just make it so that my spouse and I, we have a better relationship. God, if you could just deliver me from this job. We pray and we seek God and then we get serious about God. We start coming to church. We start coming 10 minutes early. We start reading our Bible. We get all the way in. And then the breakthrough happens. Then God delivers us. Then God heals our child. Then God heals our marriage. Then God heals our finances. And if you're not careful, you'll do like I did with my weight loss journey. Oh, well, I'm good now. I don't need to go to church anymore. Oh, I'm good now. I don't need to keep praying. Oh, I'm good now. I don't need to keep reading my word and studying. Um, newsflash. That is choosing without realizing that we're choosing to put the shackles back on. The reality is we do become disillusioned when we get our feelings hurt, when God does not answer our prayers the way that we thought he would. We can lose our awe. We can lose our wonder of God. We can become hindered by our hurt and our unmet expectations. But the beauty of being set free and the glory of being loved is that we are always welcome to return to Christ. I had to make a choice after a certain period of time. My first period of time was just guilt and feeling just completely idiotic. Like, how did you let this happen to yourself? You know, just getting frustrated. Just looking in the mirror and going, now you lost these pounds already. You got to go do the exact same thing again? I mean, just absolutely just knocking yourself in the head like, I can't believe we've been there. But then you have to turn a corner and say, am I going to stay here or am I going to find my way back? I made the decision I wanted to find my way back. Yes, it feels crazy to be doing this all over again, but this time I have a certain set of knowledge about what I need to do to keep and maintain what God is doing in my life. See, you can say that and you can make your way back to Christ and you can get past that part of beating yourself up because of all the mistakes you've made. You can get past that point of just beating yourself up over the head about the things that you've done wrong and the things that you feel guilty about and the things that make you not proud. And you can say, you know what, I'm not going to stay here. This place is not helpful. I'm going to return to the place where it was love and protection and guidance and covering and wisdom. I'm going to return to Christ. And he's still going to be waiting for me. There is no judgment. But he is going to welcome me with open arms. And we can start this thing all over again. Hebrews 12 and 3, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. In King James, it says, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's the beauty of being set free and the glory of being loved is that we're always welcome to return to Christ. Somebody say, I'm always welcome, I'm always welcome. 
I'm always welcome. You really need to understand that. I had a girlfriend drop by my house the other day. She was down the street at a meet for her daughter for track. And she texted me and I said, oh, you're that close to my house? I told you you have an open invitation. You can always drop by. And I told her that, but in her mind she was thinking, no, I can't really drop by. You know, they might be busy, she's probably studying, or she probably has this going on, and you know, her daughter's going to prom. I'm like, no, it's an open invitation. I really meant that. We have to remember with Christ, there is an open invitation. He really means it. You really can't just come by as you are. You really can't just drop by Excel Church with your scrubs on or your subway uniform on or your flip-flops and your socks or whatever it is. You really can just come as you are. He just wants to be with you. The lavish love of God. That's my next point for my note takers. Somebody say the lavish love of God. Because we are no longer buried under the rules of the law, but we are liberated by the grace of God received through Jesus. And Ephesians chapter 1 may give us the most vivid picture of the unhindered kingdom when it describes the way that God lavished his love on us through Christ Jesus. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1 if you would. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 3 through 10. Hallelujah. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together and one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Praise God for his generosity, his love, his lavish grace. To lavish something as a verb means to bestow in generous or extravagant quantities. God held nothing back from us when he shared his son. He lavished his love upon us through Jesus. He gave us an extravagant gift when he made a way for all to experience salvation and freedom from sin and death. It's not that the unhindered actions of a generous father, if that's not the unhindered actions of a generous father, then I don't know what is. As we wrap up today, 
I wonder where you might be seeing the unhindered nature of faith at work in your life. What other areas would you add to the list that I shared earlier today? The unhindered kingdom, forgiveness, power, and the gospel. And I'm looking forward to, in these next few weeks, as we look together at this series, and I hope that in between these weeks that you will delve a little deeper into the book of Acts. But before we wrap up and prepare to move on, I want to reiterate something I mentioned to you earlier. When I think of being hindered, I imagined a thoroughbred racing horse standing just behind the starting gate, waiting for it to open. And once that gate opens, that horse is running free, majestically, and beautiful. That racing horse is meant to run, but the gate hinders its movement. The gate is the obstacle holding the horse back from what it is intended to be. So I leave you with this question. What's holding you back today? What obstacles are hindering your faith? Are you running free? Now, mind you, throughout the course of this sermon, I share several illustrations that don't probably apply to you. Maybe for you, it's something else that you might need to give up. Maybe for you, it's something else that's hindering you, that's weighing you down. Maybe for you, there's something else that's holding you in, blocking you inside this gate. Remember the beauty of being set free and the glory of being loved. And be willing, if you feel that you have gotten far away, to come back to Christ. And so as I leave you today, I want to invite you into this unhindered kingdom where God has lavished his love, his grace, and his mercy over us. Maybe this will be your first time. Maybe this will be your thousandth time. And that's okay too. Or maybe just as a good reminder that we never forget that if the Son has set us free, we are free indeed. Amen? Come on, let's pray. Father, I just thank you for always allowing the word to be alive and to be relevant and to be a guidebook for what you desire to do in our lives. Father, allow this word to begin to be a flashlight this morning. Allow it to illuminate areas that you want to do additional work in, in each of our lives. Show us, Father. Show us anything that's hindering us. Show us anything that's holding us back. Father, because we do desire to be everything that you called us to be, everything that you created us to be. We know that we created for a purpose. We know that we're still alive for a purpose. We know that there's a plan that you have for our life. And if there's anything, God, anything at all that is hindering us from becoming everything you desired and destined for us to become, would you reveal it to us? As we seek you sincerely with our whole heart, would you show us? And then, Father God, as you show it to us, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that 
after we spend a little time grieving, after we spend a little time lamenting, after we spend a little time regretting the mistakes that we made, that we would rise up boldly like Paul and become and do the things that you have called us to do, that we would be completely unhindered that nothing would hold us back, that nothing would keep us hostage, that nothing would keep us in bondage, that we are free and that we would walk in this freedom hmm, and boldly do the works that you called us to do. We ask these blessings in your holy and sacred name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <laughs>